We are on Ksubis Chafhei Amar Aleph 25A3 in the first column in the Art Scroll Gemara. We are trying to go through different cases to try to find out what happens in a situation where there is a person who is reciting the Birchas Kohanim, the priestly blessings which the Kohanim give to the Jewish people. Would that be sufficient evidence for us to assume that he is a Kohen, that he is a full-fledged Kohen and that uh, all his children are Kohanim and his grandchildren are Kohanim and that there's nothing disqualifying within his uh, within his lineage. So we've had a, a few cases that we've been discussing. We haven't had any proofs one way or the other. Uh, in our last attempt uh, to prove one way or the other, it was discussing a case where uh, the Bryce had quoted different, different situations. One is where the person is reciting the priestly blessings, Another case is where the person is eating challah, is eating the portion that is a gift to the Kohen from the bread that a person bakes, uh, from that challah that the Kohen receives that. So maybe that would be sufficient evidence. And uh, the Gemara ended up saying that, no, there's no proof from there because it's not talking about liyuchzin, it's not talking about elevating them to the status where they are full-fledged Kohanim with regards to their children. No, the case there is that they are, we would allow them, if they're eating challah, then they're also allowed to eat truma, which is the produce which is designated for the Kohen. And why would you, you know, why would you, uh, think otherwise? What's the point of that? It's there to tell you that in Israel, uh, challah is only required on a rabbinic level, according to this opinion. Challah is only required on a rabbinic level, uh, at least during the times of the second uh, base of Migdash, the second temple and onwards when the Jews returned to Israel in the days of Ezra. It's only required on a rabbinic level because, as we will see in the Gemara, we need a majority of the Jewish people to enter together. And they did not enter together with regards to the laws of Chala. But Truma, Truma could still be biblical. And so there is that point. The point is that we'll make that jump. If they're eating Chala, so then we'll still allow them to eat Truma, which is Truma on a biblical level. The Gemara now will quote a new Brisa to really prove with regards to Nesias Kapayim, with regards to the priestly blessings. But within that context, we're going to see an opinion that says the exact opposite. That says that no, Truma is really rabbinic uh, from the from the second uh, temple, from the second base of Megdash, and the Chala is biblical, the exact opposite. So, uh, we're going to have to understand why would they argue, why would they say the exact uh, opposite opinion, but we'll get there when we see the Gemara. Tashma, let us bring in the following proof. It says as follows in the Brisa. Chazaka kahuna. What happens in the following cases? Let's say you have a person who has a Chazaka for Kahuna. They're established as a Kohen. In what way? In the following way. Nesias Kapayim. He recites the priestly blessings. Or V'chilik Ronos Be'aret Yisrael. Or he receives Truma. He receives Truma in Israel. Alternatively, or in a place where uh, the the surrounding areas of Israel, like in Syria or in other any other place where messengers, with regards to the laws of Rosh Chodesh, of declaring the new moon, messengers would travel there. So it's it's close to Israel. So there, Nesias Kapayim Raya, Avalochilagranos, in such a case where it's outside of Israel, so if it's outside of Israel, eating truma will not be sufficient evidence, uh, but 
uh, reciting the priestly blessings would be Ubavel Kesuria, and it's also pointing out that Bavel Babylonia is like Surya, the same thing that the reciting the priestly blessings would be sufficient, but receiving Truma would not be. And Rishem Gamliel Omer Af Alexandra Shalmitzrayim Barishona Mivneisha Beizin Kavuin Sham that uh, in Alexandria in Egypt that's also treated like Surya. Uh, because they had courts established there, since the, even though it's outside of Israel, but because courts are established there, so therefore, the person who is reciting the priestly blessings, they're going to look into him to make sure that he's a real Kohen reciting the priestly blessings. That would be sufficient proof. But the fact that he's eating truma, no, that wouldn't be sufficient proof. It's only good enough proof in Israel. That's what it, that's the entire Brisa. That's what the Brisa says. The question is, proof for what? What is this a proof for? Isn't this a proof that they are allowed to, that their children are full-fledged Kohanim? That the father did not marry somebody that they're not allowed to marry as a Kohen, uh, and so therefore their kids are full-fledged Kohanim. Isn't that what we're referring to? My love, Liyuchzin, with regards to the genealogy. The Gemara answers, Lo lechala. It means with regards to the Kohen eating chala. That if we see a Kohen in Israel, or really outside of Israel as well, in Surya and in uh, Bavel and in Egypt, where they had courts set up, if there's a Kohen who's reciting the priestly blessings, it's good enough, not for their genealogy necessarily, but at least with regards to giving this person a challah. And similarly, in Israel itself, if they're eating truma, so then they're also allowed to eat challah. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Uh, essentially, the Gemara says that all the cases, all the cases of this brisa is there to teach you that this person, even though we're not we're not fully convinced that they're Kohen with regards to uh, the children and uh, knowing whether or not the children are disqualified Kohanim, that we don't know. But we'll we'll give this person the challah. So if they're eating truma, so then they can also eat challah. The point is, well, why would you think otherwise? So this is the opinion that's the exact opposite of the opinion that we had in the Brisa earlier. In the previous class, this price will hold that truma nowadays, nowadays truma, the portion that we give from our produce to the Kohanim is only a rabbinic obligation. We see somebody eating this, it's only on a rabbinic level that they're eating this uh, as a Kohen, but still it will be sufficient for us to say, you know what, you can eat challah, which according to this position is a biblical obligation today. So we had in the Brisa earlier, in, in the Brisa that we ended off the last class with, holding that Chalah is rabbinic and Truma is biblical. Now we're having the opinion that says Chalah is biblical and Truma is rabbinic. Uh, so where are they coming from? So the Gemara explains. As we find uh, where Ravuna, the son of Rabbi Yeshua, found in the Rabbanan. Ravuna, the son of Rabbi Yeshua, said that he found the rabbis in the study halls talking about the following. Why? They said the following, that Truma is rabbinic today, meaning during the second, during the return, during the days of Ezra, the second temple and today, it's only rabbinic in Israel. Chala, the mitzvah of Chala, of, of taking off from the, uh, from the baking, so that is biblical. Why would you say that? Essentially, we find that by Chala, there are times that the Jewish people were obligated in Chala, but they weren't obligated in Truma. When was that? When the Jews first entered into Israel with Joshua, with Yoshua. 
So they entered into Israel, and then there were seven years of conquering, and then another seven years of dividing up the land, and that Truma would not be obligated until they divided up the entire land. They actually, actually divided the land. That's when Truma kicked in. But Chala, Chala kicked in right away, right when the Jews entered in. Even during the time of battle and, and dividing up the land, Chala still applied. So we see that Chala could, could exist independent of Truma. It could have a... Uh, be, it's, more, it's stricter than Truma. It applies more often than Truma. And so therefore, Chala could be biblical, Truma could be rabbinic during, during today's time. Vamar Lu'ana Adraba. But he, the, the Gemara continues and says, But I say the opposite. I hold, says the Gemara, I, Rav Huna, who heard this from the rabbis, I disagree and I say the exact opposite. That even if you hold that Truma today is rabbinic, Chala, sorry, even if Truma is biblical, Chala is rabbinic. Uh, so why would you say one way or the other? So again, according to the first opinion that we quoted of these rabbis in the study, the whole studying, they say that Truma could be rabbinic and Chala biblical, all in Israel. We're talking about Israel. Why would Truma be rabbinic? So perhaps the argument is that Truma is rabbinic because it really works based off of the Truma, works based off of the cycle of, it's, it's connected to the Shemitah cycle, to the every seven years you have to lay the land fallow, you can't work the land. Um, and so Shemitah nowadays is not obligated on a biblical level. It's only on a rabbinic level. So since that's on a rabbinic level, Truma is also on a rabbinic level. Truma is, uh, fits and, and works together with Shemitah. Shemitah is on a rabbinic level. So Truma is also on a rabbinic level. According to the second explanation, what's the idea? Well, Truma is on a biblical level. Why would Chala be on a rabbinic level? So the Gemara explains. Because Chala kicks in right when you enter into Israel. So what, is, what does it mean right when you enter into Israel? When is that point in time that you enter into Israel? Is it just two or three people who happen to be there, the spying there? No. It says, When you enter into, i.e. when the entire Jewish people, or at least the majority of the Jewish people enter into Israel, that's when that's when um, Chala will kick in. And so therefore, since during the days of Ezra, which has sort of established this new form of holiness, the second time the Jews entered into Israel, uh, but it wasn't the majority. It certainly wasn't a majority. The majority stayed behind. They stayed in Babylonia, which was a main center for the Jewish people at the time. Um, and so therefore, it would not be obligated on a biblical level. Chala would not be obligated on a biblical level. So you have two opinions here. One one Bryce and one of the other Bryce is saying the exact opposites. One saying that Truma is rabbinic, the other one saying that Chala is rabbinic. Okay. V'chi askinu Ezra, when Ezra went up from Babel to Israel, this is the end of the Gemara, not everybody went up, not everybody went up. Okay, that is that case. We are done, we are done with that case, and the analysis of whether Truma is rabbinic nowadays, or is Chala rabbinic nowadays, um, maybe both are rabbinic nowadays, the Rambam Maimonides is of the opinion that both, not the opinion in our Gemara, but uh, there's an opinion that the Rambam holds of that says that both are rabbinic nowadays, both Chala and Truma. Okay. Next case. Again, we're going case by case to try to prove if the Kohen is reciting the priestly blessings, so then uh, is, he viewed as a, is he viewed as a full-fledged Kohen with regards to his children. So says the Gemara, Tashma, we can bring the following proof. Chazaka l'kuhuna, nesias kapayim v'chilig granos ve'edos. Three cases that will prove a person to be a Kohen. Number one is the priestly blessings. Number two is Truma. Number three is testimony. 
Testimony. Edus chazakahi. Testimony. Is that called a chazaka, a presumption? It's something that looks like he's going? We're talking about testimony. So what type of testimony are we talking about? It's not to give you case number three. It's there to tell you that when the Kohen, this person is reciting the priestly blessings, it's like it's testimony. It's like it's telling us this person is a full-fledged Kohen. His children are also Kohanim. Isn't that what it's teaching us? Says the Gemara, No, lo. Eidus haba'a mikoach chazaka ki chazaka. It's teaching you something totally different. It's teaching you, uh, let's say, we'll explain it according to Tosos, that when you have a situation where the testimony is not really about that person himself, but it's about somebody else, we see that somebody else is doing something, and within that context, we're able to compare the two people and prove that uh, person A is really Cohen, person B does something, and, and person A is within the context of person B, so that proves that person A is a Cohen. Um, that's what it's referring to. It's referring to a totally different case, but it, we, we, the point is, the main point is, we don't have any proof that uh, reciting the priestly blessings will allow his children to be viewed as full-fledged Kohanim. That wouldn't be viewed as sufficient evidence. But what is this case of Edus Habamikal Chazaka, that there's this testimony that comes from these presumptions of other people? So what's the case? There was a following case where a certain person stood before Rabbi Ami. And he said about somebody else, I know for sure that that person is a Kohen. So Rabbi asks, he says, how do you know? Amrlai, Marisa, what did you, how do you know that other person is a Kohen? So Amrlai, he says back to Rabbi Ami, Shekara Rishon B'Besek Nesses, because he received the first Aliyah. We know that we have seven Aliyahs on Shabbos, three during the week. We, I saw him and he received, he received the first one. Well, does that automatically prove that he's a Kohen? Asks the Gemara. The Gemara says that doesn't automatically prove that he's a Kohen. It's true, the Kohen gets the first Aliyah, but that's only if there's a Kohen present. Over here, what's happening? Did he get the first Aliyah because he was a Kohen? Or maybe there were no Kohanim there. And he got the first Aliyah because we give the first one, if there's no Kohen, to a great person. No, because Shekara Akharov Levi No, because what happened next? A Levi... Got the second aliyah. The rule is, Cohen gets the first aliyah, Levi gets the second aliyah, and the rest are for the Israelim. It's for everybody else. If there, if there were no Kohanim, then we wouldn't give it to the Levi either. We wouldn't give the second aliyah to the Levi. We, we would just get, uh, there's a discussion about this, but according to many, we just get rid of the whole order. It's not Cohen, then Levi, then Israel. That's not the order. The order is just give to Israel. Do not give to a Levi. So the fact that Levi got second, proves to us that there was a Kohen around. Because if there's no Kohen around, we would never give the second Aliyah to the Levi. So the Levi got the second Aliyah. Must be that the first Kohen, the first Aliyah was given to the Kohen. And that's the case. That's the case. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean that he's a full-fledged Kohen with regards to his children. We don't know that. That impacts also other parties. If he is a Kohen and has... Uh, a relationship with a convert or with uh, somebody who's divorced, the children are disqualified Kohanim. They're not good Kohanim. Uh, so it wouldn't work for that, but maybe it would work for Truma. We have another case, another, another, a few more cases. There was a person who appeared before Rabbi Shua ben Levi. Amr said as follows, I know that this other person is a Levi. Amr Marisa, how do you know? What did you see? So he says, Amr he said he got the second aliyah. The Levi gets the second aliyah.
So the Gemara asks the same question. How do we know that it's because he's a Levi? Maybe there were no Levim. There were no Kohanim. Or whatever the case is. And and uh, the reason why he got the Leah is because he's the greatest He's the greatest one of them all. Maybe not of the first uh, person who got the first Leah, but he's the next one. So they gave, therefore they gave him the second Leah. No, Shekar Lefan of Kohen, Velur Ben Levi Levi Alpiv. The case is where there was a Kohen who got the first Aliyah. So if the Kohen got the first Aliyah, if there are no Leviim, this is important for many people who are Gabayim, if they lead the congregation and they call people up, so you have to know these rules. So if the Kohen got the first Aliyah, so then for the second Aliyah, if there's a Levi present, we would give it to the Levi. If there's no Levi present, so then we have the Kohen say the Bracha again. They get called up again. That same Kohen who received the first blessing, the first Aliyah, he'll also get the second Aliyah. Okay. Uh, so the fact, the proof is that the fact that the Kohen received the first Aliyah and then somebody else received the second Aliyah is proof. That itself is proof that the second Aliyah was a Levi. Okay. There's a few more cases, but we'll hold off for this recording. We'll see these other cases in the next recording.